Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. I'm your host, Steph Silver, owner of Vine Collective, a unique marketing and coaching agency where we meet people where they are on their journey to connect with customers and employees and to navigate their personal journeys to overcome challenges and rise to the next level of their work, home, and spiritual lives. Today's guests are Vivian and John Robinson. This husband and wife team are the co-founders of Blue Fern, handcrafted plant-based skin products with microbiome supporting ingredients. The product is amazing and so is this amazing couple. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So we'll get to Blue Fern in a moment, but let's start with learning a bit about the two of you. Tell me who you are we are i'm john how do we answer that question who are we uh, we uh, both grew up in south florida and we met oh my goodness 35 years ago Viv. yeah 35 years ago yeah. and we've been in austin for 15 over 15 years yeah so one of the things that I find interesting about you guys, one of the conversations we've had um, kind of midway through knowing each other so far is uh, your first date. Tell me a little bit about, um, about your first date. Well, okay, so w there's a couple. We met at an airport and on the en route to Quebec, um, but that was when we met. Our first date... I would say is our luncheon date mm -hmm. that we the picnic date the picnic date yeah I uh, picked up some sandwiches we went to Alice B Wainwright Park mm -hmm. in uh, Coconut Grove uh, in Miami and we set up a blanket over the uh, Biscayne Bay and I was too nervous to say very much I was yeah. only seventeen so <laughs> very young <laughs> very very young uh, I was early twenties. So there's a little bit of an age difference, um, but it was just nice. We um, had you know picnic lunch by the by Biscayne Bay in Miami. And you've been together ever since. We've been together ever since. Yeah. We. I was uh, 20 when we got married, so it's it been 20, 32 years. This year will be 32 yeah. years. And you were in Florida at the time. Um, what brought you to Austin? We had a, a roundabout way to get to Austin. We um, left Miami in 2004. 2004. Yeah. And we went to Singapore. We worked uh, there for almost four years. And sure, we, you know, we worked at a family business. Uh, we were in the animal nutrition business. And just opportunity arose. We visited Austin and... It worked. We, you know, clicked. So we ended up actually relocating our U.S. business from Miami to uh, Austin, and so we came in 2007. Yeah, and we've been here since. So the kids went to high school here, late elementary school. They left for college, um, but we love living here. It's a great city. Yeah, I think it suits our temperament. We, um, you know, Miami is a very nice place to grow up you know we um we have a lot of family there we have nothing but nice memories but 
I'm not sure the lifestyle. It's um, I think it goes very in depth into Latin America. Um, you know, we're both Vivian's Cuban descent. I'm from Ecuador, uh, so I think our reference points are Latin American and. You know, Miami, it's a, it's a wonderful place, but there's a lot of, um, you know, there, there's a superficiality to it, um, which is not necessarily the city itself, but a lot of the, you know, people go to Miami to reinvent themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You, there's a It's a very unique place. Yeah. Um, but we felt that probably for raising our kids <clears throat> and that period in their life, this was a much better uh, fit. And yeah. we were here when the city was also growing. So we've seen all the growth that's happened now. Mm-hmm. It's a very different place as well. But it's a great place to raise kids. So you brought your kids, but you also brought your extended family, your brothers, your Well, little child. by little, other people have been coming. Yes. Yeah. 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 So now most of the people that lived in Miami, my, you know, my parents were here. My brothers were here. My cousins here. Um, you know, over time, we have a... Bigger network, definitely. Yeah quite a bit you know our children are here now we have grandchildren that are here mm-hmm. uh, so it's life has come full circle yeah and then yeah. austin's home for us what made you decide once you, you moved everything here everything was going well you raised your children what made you decide to leave the family business and then kind of talk us through the transition of leaving the family business and starting blue fern mm, yeah so that took a couple of years didn't happen overnight oh my goodness i absolutely adore my family and i loved you know even working i say that if i look at it honestly i absolutely loved working with my dad and my brothers and it was um you know a wonderful time in my life um you just ready for a change i think part i was ready for a change but part you know the same way it was a wonderful environment to work in there's a lot of challenges and working in a family business Mm -hmm. with your father and your brothers and and a um, long period of time 33 years yeah i did that for 33 years and uh, as much as i loved it i you know i think it also created a lot of you know we all grow up and we all have different goals and interest and i think you know the things that unified us at the beginning you know, weren't there anymore, right? So we, once you lose that common vision, I think in any business or in any relationship, you know, they just, it's hard to function when you don't have a common vision. And But it coincided with us also finding out we're going to be grandparents, and I think we wanted a different direction where we were doing something that meant um, probably a little bit more to us and was more fulfilling. Well, I mean, you know, our leaving, my leaving the business in particular predates the grandparents right Just so a little bit yeah so it wasn't you know the grandkids were not on the radar i think we were already um you know the, the pressure or the tension of being in a family business i think became too much that we either you know separate with the family or we separate from the business and mm-hmm. i don't imagine separating from my family um so it seemed healthier know just to leave and to go off and do something else and i think my interest also changed over those 33 years that were not um i think we needed to change everybody um you know overall was good you know it's good for my familial relationship and i think we're happy we did it 
Um, now there's a lot that goes into that. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. Which I, <laughs> not sure this is the appropriate place to unpack, but um, anyway, we're, I think we're happy we... No, we're definitely happy that, we that did our that. life is in a different uh, direction. It just... I, I think also as you get older, you've always commented, as you get older, you don't want that daily grind and stress mm. becomes less appealing. Your body yeah. has less of an ability to deal with the stress that you had in your 20s or 30s mm-hmm. with business growing. And uh, as you get older, just that just becomes more difficult and you're willing to well, I, deal I think, with it. I think, I think part of that, Viv, is y- 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 the entirety of your life, the entirety of your being has to align, right? So it's not, you know, part of it was working in something and then you know, what does it mean, right? What is what is it that you're doing? And, you know, as Viv rightfully says, it's a bit of a grind when it's, you know, you know, everybody in the business or everybody in the family is not necessarily on the same page or pushing in the same direction. And then you want to derive some sort of meaning out of your life. And, you know, our work is, we spend a lot of hours in the day doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So... Then you start asking yourself, are you passionate about what you're doing? Yeah. Can I get out of bed in the morning to do yeah. this? Mm-hmm. And do you worse, say, oh no, or yay? <laughs> well, I think that's part of it. But mm-hmm. can you, you know, the business itself, how do you get other people to get out of bed and want to do it mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. Right? So is it inspiring enough? If I can inspire myself, you know, truly, what do I expect from other people? Um, you know, why would they want to get out of bed and come and do this? this work or this job if they're not if you're not inspired to do it yourself if i'm not inspired to do it how are they going to be inspired to do it right and at this point the business is an international business with several employees um lots of hubs and spokes and so travel lots of travel so managing all of that and getting yourself and, and all of the teams aligned and excited is uh is not necessarily where you are anymore mm-hmm. so the best the best decision for the family and for your own sake was to you move know, on move on know, I, I i made um a promise to myself and i was quite vocal in the family i you know once the fan early on when i started working because um, i always had the question is it is a good thing to work in a family business mm. and you know, I think my attitude was always that as long as it's good for everybody, I'll do it. But once that it's not, and that it'll, I'd rather sacrifice the business over sacrificing the family. And I don't feel differently about that. I, even today, I don't regret leaving because in many ways it saved our family relationships. Um, Did they see it the same way when you were in the process of leaving, or was that more difficult I think it's you know the reality of it I think there's a lot of emotion that goes into it so the sense of initially maybe not but now I think yes they would agree that was probably the best yeah I don't think they would disagree it's just the emotion of feeling uh, all, all sorts of things you know there's a sense of, of loss of loyalty or loss of um, fealty to the the family, mm-hmm. you know, by leaving, you know, are you abandoning the business? Or are you abandoning the family? And all those questions are raised. And you know, sometimes you're in emotional conversations that you say things that, you know, maybe you shouldn't have said, or that you regret saying. So I think the one, you know, we, you know, the one thing I would say that is, uh, yeah, 
adamant about is that you know nothing's resolved without talking about it and i think a lot of inclination you know that people have is you know let's put everything behind and let's not let's move forward and you know i'm i'm okay with the general concept but i think you know some things need to be clarified and some things need to be talked about and you know brought you know, light brought onto it um you know you have that tendency to bury things and you know they'll just sit there and fester and mm-hmm. you know, one day they're going to come up and and haunt us if we don't properly clarify it and i I think there's a lot of those things that you know family businesses don't address you know they you know functionally you have your you know your different departments you have a you know sales and marketing and accounting you know the finance the human resource aspect of it the production or manufacturing or depending what kind of business it is um i think that is you know you can manage the question is now within the context of brothers and parents working together you know how do you how do you reconcile that right how do you and i think those are things that we had a bit of difficulty with um but i think it's typical when you speak to people who are in family businesses generationally it becomes quite difficult yeah you can do that one generation to get to the second one and the third one is even mm-hmm. uh, more complex well i think that's what bothered me the worst is that we were actually quite typical um, <laughs> it really, you were hoping. Uh, well, I always had a you know maybe an idealized version of ourselves as mm-hmm. a family. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can do this. No one else can, but we can. Yeah, and it was really nice for many years. And in the end, but I, that's what you have to remember. I think we were woefully typical. <laughs> <laughs> but even when you left, um, it wasn't that. Oh, I'm just going to retire and. Right. Uh, you you knew you wanted to do something um, to keep I busy. I think my temperament yeah yeah won't allow me to just sit around and not do anything. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, and I think you know we like making stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I like you know anywhere I'll you know convert a kitchen into a laboratory and with very little effort, just because I'm curious, right? I you know, last night I'm reading about distilling, you know, moonshine. Why? just because right so i have this book on distilling moonshine and you know it's interesting once you look at prohibition and you look at the social structure of these little towns in kentucky that um it's interesting right Mm -hmm. i have absolutely no interest in i don't drink moonshine i don't i'm not particularly interested in the you know production of ethanol but i think it how the Mm how-to i find interesting and well there's a lot of how-to in skincare there is. So, so tell us about that <laughs> process because it, it's uh, it's an interesting process. Like you you said, you were in the family business, and then you you knew you wanted to do something else. Um, how did you make that leap into the something else? Was it took a couple of years at mm-hmm. least, I think, yeah. of going through different ideas and what lifestyle we wanted. Yeah, I think our. You know, business is one of those funny things because you're measured on uh, output, right? What do you produce? Um, generally, we quantify it in terms of money. You know, well, how much money did the business make? Is it a good business, right? So for years we were, you know, w- while I was working, you know, Viv and I had a real estate business that we would, you know, invest in real estate and, you know, for the past, you know, 30 years in some way, shape, or form, we always had that as a, and it was a good business. That's right? pretty black and white. It's quite tr- 
you know, easy to gauge. Okay, was it a good investment? Was it a bad investment? Mm-hmm. You know, business, I think, it, I think it has to elicit more than money out of it, right? You have to have a bit more depth into what you're doing, um, again, to want to get out of bed in the morning, right? To, you know, really try to do it. And I think we were looking for something explicitly that was almost an extension of our lives, extension of our, you know, philosophically, um, where, you know, quite honestly, it doesn't even feel like we're working, right? It kind of feels like it's just an extension of our day-to-day activities and our day-to-day interest. And I think once you're able to um, integrate those, you know, your philosophical interests, regardless of where you are, we could be here right now, you know, having this very nice conversation, but we could be at home having dinner. We could be at, you know, a nightclub. And I think it it almost as our psyche doesn't really change. We're the same people. Mm -hmm. And I think that was you know, I'd say raising children is, I think, that great thing that many parents, I think, realize, you know, all that, all these things we say to kids, you know, do this, don't do that. You know, you're trying to teach them morality, you're trying to teach them ethics, you're trying to teach them. But then you have to catch yourself because you have to be, I think, if you look at it correctly, look at yourself and say, okay, is it Am I allowed to cuss here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it bullshit or is it is it truly, mm-hmm. do I believe that? Or mm-hmm. is it just stuff I say to kids mm-hmm. to get them to do stuff that, you know, in the end, you know, ignore what I'm doing. This is what you should be doing. And I think that was a nice aspect of, of raising the kids and of that growing aspect of ourselves as a, um, as a couple, as, as humans, right, growing up. Um, you know, it, it, we say all this stuff and then you have to be, you know, look at yourself honestly and brutally in the mirror and say, okay, am I living up to that? You know, it, absolutely, we're not perfect, right? We make an enormous amount of compromises. We have these, um, half the time we don't even know, you know, is this, it's not black and white, right? Is it, should we do this or should we do that? And... It would be nice if everything was so transparent, right? You know, well, this is the right thing. This is the wrong thing. We're always going to do that. But then Mm -hmm. half the time it's gray Mm -hmm. and we're not quite certain. So how do we behave in those, in those moments? And I think those, I I personally, I thought it was a very, and as a couple, it was an interesting conversation for us to have because we were almost thinking out loud as we were, raising the kids and then becoming introspective about it. And, you know, I think you want to live a, it's such a cliche, right? You want to live that genuine life. You want to feel like you're alive half the time um, as opposed to going through the motions of it. And I think when you can just bring everything together, whether it's your personal life, your business life, you know, there's no you know, there's less lines of demarcation between one and the other, mm-hmm. it becomes easier to live, right? You're not, it doesn't matter if I'm at church or it doesn't matter if I'm at a bar, right? I mean, truthfully, am I a very different person? You know, am I behaving very differently? Is it pretty much the same? You know, we always have that joke, you know, I'm pretty much the same shit all the time. <laughs> right? So right. it's not, um, it's nothing more, right? I mean, I think 
that became very liberating, you know, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, when we started, you know, identifying that and say, okay, you know, now put your money where your mouth is. You know, am I really, do I want to leave my family business and give up potentially a very lucrative years ahead um, for less lucrative now? And I said, well, you know, is it all about money or is it really about preserving the family? And I think that helped me say, okay, well, I genuinely, genuinely believe that we should preserve our family, that there's not that many things in life that, you know, in the end that you can purchase that make your life worth living, mm-hmm. that these other things that you can't purchase, you know, my brothers, my parents, my relationships, our friendships, that that human aspect are not for sale, right? You accumulate these things over your lifetime and they're not things you're willing to give up. And I think that has become, you know, the heart of, I'd say, the of how we, you know, how we give value to life or what is, you know, what is the meaning of life, right? The meaning of life is the things that you give meaning to or that things that you value. And I think it's not, it's simple, right? It's, but it's not easy always to, to know what it is, mm-hmm. right? I want to have a business that has meaning. It's a very easy thing to say. Now, how, you know, <laughs> now what is it? Where do you go? And where go. Do you go? Okay. <laughs> you know, I have, where do I start? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to have a meaningful life. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, at least you acknowledge it, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's a lot of effort, right? It's a lot of, um, you know, wake up in the middle of the night um, wondering if you're doing the right thing, right? Um, you know, does this, uh, you know, that I think that proverbial thing in business is it's nice to be self-employed, but you have the 100% of everything is following you around. All the issues that the companies have is going to follow you around. Um, are you happy about that, right? Are you waking up in the middle of the night saying, why in the name of God am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the question, you know, you, you know, you have the, you're perfectly calm, you, you know, have a nice evening, you go to bed and very relaxed going to sleep and then suddenly you start you have that little germ of worry that hits your mind Mm -hmm. and then suddenly that turns into doubt that turns into fear that turns into terror (laughs) and Mm -hmm. suddenly you're sweating Mm -hmm. where the hell did that come from right so I think that's the funny thing of you know, it's not always perfect, right? And I think that's a good metaphor for life, right? If we're not, you know, we were commenting before we, we started this this conversation on air that, um, you know, we look forward to our camping trips. You know, Viv and I spent time in the, you know, under the stars just, you know, trying to get away from the city. And it's really nice, you know, hear the birds, listen to the wind and the trees and just be out in nature and it's a it's a wonderful way to center yourself but then does that mean that that's where we have to live you know can we mm-hmm. not live in the city mm-hmm. you know should we not live in the city because we don't hear the birds in our you know deluxe apartment in the sky right <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like you can, so you we enclose ourselves in these things but then you know the truth is it's a trade-off Right. Yes, we live very centrally located in the city. It's a very nice place. We walk downstairs. We're on the trails, and we can go to restaurants, the grocery stores across the street. So it's nice, but it's tr- you have to trade. Mm-hmm. You're giving up what in order to have that? Mm-hmm. 
And then you realize, okay, well, nothing's perfect. Right. And I think that's what you have to recognize. It's not like, okay, well, let me look for the perfect situation. Uh-huh. I don't think that exists. I don't honestly think that they, you were constantly making these trade-offs. You right. know, my kids, I would you know, love for them to have never left the house mm-hmm. and to be with us forever. But then I say, okay, well, <laughs> we did a really shitty job parenting, right? If, we <laughs> <laughs> if they, you know, because the... Or if they were really there, you might have a different love. <laughs> but, but I think that's the, that's that, that bittersweet aspect mm-hmm. of parenting, right? You, you do a good job, your kids grow up and leave, mm-hmm. right? And they're capable of leaving. They're capable of living for themselves. They're capable of, of being functional adults and having children themselves and raising kids and being good parents, right? So that, unfortunately, they leave you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that is the so you're looking for those little snippets, those moments where you're together mm-hmm. and trying to suck it up, you know, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think that becomes that it's a bit gray outside. Right. So maybe the, the tone of this is <laughs> it sounds yeah. but, it, but it's not. It's truly I don't I don't mean it in a in a sad way because I don't see it as I don't see it sadly. Mm-hmm. I see it as a very, um, you know, when I see my kids, when I see them you know, with their spouses, and I see them now with our they're grandkids. Doing well. That's they're, what you want to see. They're well, yeah. right? Um, sometimes I miss them. Sometimes I think nostalgically at a, a trip we took as a family, or we were all together. You know, spring break is coming up. Uh-huh. It occurred to me the other day. You know, we're not going to go with spring break with the kids anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And. Um, but maybe we take the grandkids. Well, I mean, if. Yes, I mean, that's the... But there's always the trade-offs, I think, is the... It's a trade-off. Where you are. I was just thinking about this. I've been thinking about it a lot in um, entrepreneurship in general, that just like you're saying, there's this constant um, worry in your mind. And then for me, I think, well, maybe I should just get a job. It seems so easy to just get a job. And I'm like, oh, but then somebody's going to be in, in control of my schedule, and I'll have to actually like go where people want me to go and they want me to go there and you know so whatever it is there's never there's never a perfect you know maybe that's the price for that freedom exactly but then they could fire me at any moment whereas as an entrepreneur i'm in charge of my own and i could you know keep working and double down and or change my business however i want to change it or like you guys come out with new products or you can go after new markets or you know you have you have choices and of course you know being an an, an employee you have choices as well but they're completely different and you have different levels of control but um going back to your point there's there's always questions um there's always the dreaming or the regret in in whatever your choices are you have all of those different levels of um, of thinking, but it depends on um, the kind of well, lots of different factors of you know what your level of b- balance of meaning and passion and um, and and all those different things are. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I think also there's a there's an element of understanding what success is for yourself right? yeah. and defining that for yourself, right? So that you can give it a um, you know is the freedom of having your own schedule, of being able to do your own uh, organization, of trying to create something. Is it worth it to you? And then what makes it successful? Right? Mm-hmm. And I think the problem that I noticed um, early on, and, you know, it's just, if, I, if there's no, anything I admire my father and my brothers for, it's just that hard-headed single-mindedness of, no matter how bad things are, we're gonna we're not gonna quit. 
right? Mm. And I think the what I notice in business, and you know, you, you see the statistics are, and I, I don't quote the statistics, but that many small businesses fail after a year, after two years, after so there's a, a timetable that they eventually go defunct for some reason, and I think what many successful businesses have in common is that they simply don't quit. Mm-hmm. They just keep going. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, um, you know, is it a, an enormous threshold for pain? Is it a, or is it an enormous love for what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Well, everyone's I think different also. Everyone has that, you know, I, I, so I, you know, with all the things I've criticized my family for over the years, as far as being in business together, uh, they have an extraordinary amount of, of drive and of determination to not quit. Resilience. And they're they're exceptionally resilient, and they, and I think that is one thing you know I noticed as we were starting the, you know, the skincare business or the blue fern business was, um, we just enjoy it, right? So there's no, it, it, it's not like crossing my mind. Oh, we just close it down and let's go do something else. I mean, we genuinely like what we do, mm-hmm. and we genuinely derive joy out of doing it that you know we can get you know people to use the products or we can get people to we'd like that obviously to make it more sustainable (laughs) (laughs) as a business but you know fortunately it's it's fun for us we we do have a a good time looking at you know what other people are doing in the marketplace how you know starting looking at the marketplace start looking at the um, you know, that blurry in lines between our philosophical ideas of, you know, thinking about what we put on our bodies, thinking about what we're eating, thinking about, you know, healthy exercising, being outdoors, and then trying to integrate that into a business is nice mm-hmm. because it doesn't really, you know, it's not that extreme, right, where, you know, you go to church on Sundays, right, and, you know, for... You know, we used to use this, you know, um, uh, we're both uh, Catholic, culturally Catholic. Um, I'd say lapsed Catholic seems also like a cliche, but um, <laughs> <laughs> somewhat lapsed Catholics. Uh, but culturally, we understand all the references and all the metaphor, uh, the symbolism of being Catholic. And, you know, you would walk into Mass, and it's a preparation, right? You're preparing mm-hmm. yourself to receive the Eucharist, you know, the body of Christ. And the whole, you know, the sounds, you know, they'll ring these little bells, they'll, you know, have incense burning smoke. Um, everything's preparing you for that. And then you notice that, you know, as the sermon goes on, as the ceremony progresses, everybody bows themselves, bows, in, deep in prayer, walk up to receive communion. They receive the communion and they move back to their uh, their seats and they just they're lost in prayer you just suddenly you're this very very deep meditation and you know everybody sits down the priest continues you know blesses everybody and it ends it and then for the next few hours or the rest of the day you feel great mm-hmm. it's a really nice feeling but then suddenly you know Monday rolls around and you kind of lose it and then you need to go back the next week to get recharged so then the question that I had or that we've talked about is how do you feel that way always? 
like mm-hmm. a, in perpetuity? How is it possible even, mm-hmm. right, to feel that sense of meditation, to feel that sense of, of depth and calmness in, you know, right now, right? We're, you know, Tuesday, is it Tuesday? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday morning um, in Wimberley, and it's, you know, gray day outside. You know, can you find that feeling? And once you fall out of that center, out of that balance, can you put yourself back into it? Mm-hmm. Or do you necessarily need to? And I think what, what I realized is that people get stuck on that metaphor, right? That idea of, oh, I have to go to this place, or I have to go to this church, and I have to be in it. I'm not, by the way, bashing church, or I'm not saying don't do that. Uh, what I'm saying is that I think people should explore that feeling and that, how, that process of how they got to that feeling and see, can you bring yourself to that feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, when we're you know, making new formulas, when we're making product, when we're going through that process, can we have that feeling? Or is that an exclusive feeling of church or mm-hmm. mass mm-hmm. You know, in, in the Catholic um, uh, terms, right? Um, and I think it's not. It, it is, I think that should be the function of the church is to teach that how to, how to get there. Mm-hmm. And how to remain there and how to try to f- live your life in that little balanced zone of meditation. And I think sometimes we just get lost on the ethical nature of it. You know, don't do this, do that. And I think that kind of loses the, it's nice for children because you need to teach kids, okay, right and wrong. But as adults, I think we need a bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um and I know Viv is cringing because I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not, it, I haven't even had scotch, Viv, so <laughs> <laughs> there's no wine here. So, um, But anyway, I think there's not, there's not that blurred line of what we do, how we live, how we work, how we... Yeah, I think over time, that, you know, those defined lines you know, go away. Fade. Yeah. So you've found that place or you're, you're, you're constantly pulling yourself back to that place of, of meditation and calm and, and where you want to be through your work and in, in your work and in your family. I mean, work is part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I won't say through my work um, almost sounds as though that is what's, I mean, work is a part of it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we enjoy it. You know, we um, feel that we're doing something purposeful you know, for ourselves and for you know, our, our clients or our customers or people that are partnering with us. Um, well, once we made the decision that we wanted to live a more natural, holistic life and be conscious, like you said, of everything you're putting on your body and we right. wanted to develop something, uh, that seeps through into all aspects of your life. Have you, um, have you found yourself su- successful in that for the most part? Or have, you, have there been big, big shifts of having to pull yourself back in and say, oh, wait, this doesn't align with the holistic living. I'm not sure it's conscious anymore. Um, I think it's just the way we, you know, and it's funny because I don't want to give a bad, incorrect impression. It's not a, it's not a crusade. You know, we, we, it's simply the way we conduct our our personal lives. There's Mm. no judgment in the way people other people do it it's i look i it's life's not easy for everybody right life's not easy f- you know you have to kind of sort it out and whatever i think the only thing i would encourage is thinking about it you know mm-hmm. think about life don't um 
you know, think about what you put on your skin. Think about how you eat. Think about all those, you know, do it in some sort of intentional way, I think is a better way to do it than not, you know, just kind of coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure it was a conscious decision. It just happened organically almost. But we've talked about it almost since that picnic we had in mm-hmm. in Coconut Grove when we met. I mean, it was part of what drew ourselves to Were we talking about the other. picnic or were we thinking about when John was late for the date? That one. That's the one. Uh, I just realized now what she was thinking. That was the first, yeah. When John was late for the date and I'm waiting and waiting. Okay. And then you had been watching Joseph Campbell on PBS. Right. And you discovered Joseph Campbell. This is, that's what she was thinking. Okay, so yeah. th- it was... It was one of the first days. It was late 80s, yeah. So then and my parents are like, why is well, he so late? Well, I was going to meet your parents <laughs> for the first time. Like, I was going to meet with his parents. I don't know. He keeps saying he's on his way, but he won't leave the house. <laughs> 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 and this is before there's cable and you can really tape anything. Yeah. He's watching something <laughs> on PBS. It was on PBS and it was, you know, Saturday afternoon. And, and you were how old? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 25? 24, 25. 24, 25, yeah. maybe. I'm 18 or 19. Yeah. And I kept calling. But I didn't know why he was late. I just knew he was saying. But I was calling you saying, I'm running late. And I kept saying, I'm running late. And I was just watching TV. (laughs) Literally, literally I was watching television. So it was a Joseph Campbell interview with Bill uh, Bill Moyers. It's very famous. Joseph Campbell. And I could not pull myself. So I spent the afternoon watching that into our date time. And vividly. But you did finally show up. I showed up, and then finally, you know, I told him. And you confessed. The truth is, this is why. I was watching Joseph Campbell. And, and then uh, I said to him, what are you talking about? I've been watching this my entire life. <laughs> At home, we had the books. We had the DVDs. Mm-hmm. So my dad was right. obsessed. And we were constantly watching Joseph Campbell. <laughs> yes. Um, so we knew we had a connection. It's the origin of myths. Is that <laughs> the power of myth. The power the of power myth. myth. The power of myth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and and for those of you the who hero's don't journey. know it, the hero's <laughs> journey, yeah. the power of myth, all of that stuff, it's, this is still very relevant to where we are in the conversation. So please uh, <laughs> look that you can still find the documentary and, and the books out there and, um, and learn what uh, John is talking about behind the, um, the way that they're living and the way that they think about life. Yes. I, I think that was very... Um, instrumental it was a very powerful moment in my life but I would say in our life because we you thought it was life-changing like you're like oh my god this explains everything Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about for a while I mean I again going back to the you know we're Roman Catholics right so we were raised Mm -hmm. uh, rituals and yeah just everything he speaks about is ritual mythology which I've always been comfortable with the the ritualization of life right mm-hmm. the the moments in life you know ser- the celebrations of life and i think the catholic church does an exceptional job in creating symbols and creating well he taught catechism i forgot to mention oh, i've gone through i mean we uh, you know were raised in the church i went to a jesuit university i um wanted to generally wanted to want to believe it all right and Mm -hmm. in almost a literal sense and i think the catholic church and the jesuits do a very nice job of making you think Mm -hmm. you know the i would not say okay those are two separate comments so the jesuits within the catholic church i think we're very good at saying think about it right um you know the concept of god you know does it make sense does it not make sense you know talk about it explore it it was never a a punitive thing well Mm -hmm. believe on faith you know that's i think 
my mom did that to me <laughs> as a child. It was like, mom, but, you know, I, you, you get to a point where I just don't, I need a bit more. I need a bit more explanation. And Well, Joseph Campbell does a very nice job of connecting the dots. Yes. Of the, so the ritualization. Of, perspective yeah. of history, and this is what's going out on a thousand years ago in Native American Indian mythology, and look at how it relates to what's going the on. Parallels so the parallels. All the parallels through yeah. history. And it just opens up your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that um, that curiosity and that that wanting to believe and those drawing of connections makes sense of why you do things the way you do in your business. Um, and then kind of pulling it forward into Blue Fern and, and choosing a life that is, is conscious um, and not necessarily choosing, but continuing to, to make those choices on a daily basis. It makes it, correct me if I'm wrong, it makes it easier to run a business that al- that al- has all the, the I want to say moral caps or the, um, the foundations that you guys have as a business as far as um, the ingredients that you put into the business, giving back to the community, um, making sure that it is, um, I mean, it, it Nothing is healthy for everyone because everyone's body is different. But, you know, uh, creating products that are, are clean and easy to tell if, if um, you're going to be sensitive to it. All of those decisions in your business become much easier when you have a clarity of aligning it to mm-hmm. your daily way of exactly. living. Right. Right. Well, it's our guide. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, as you mentioned um, or asked earlier, I think we're not. Half time, we're not even conscious of it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. We just kind of in, integrated into our day to day life, and it's become it's become quite easy from a guiding principle perspective. Um, you know, you make decisions necessarily on do I use this ingredient or this ingredient? Um, you know, how to make a cream or a lotion or an emulsion without a synthetic emulsifier is surprisingly hard mm-hmm. right like someone famously said what is it that um who, you know healthcare is complicated who knew right? <laughs> <laughs> making natural healthcare <laughs> right so making Th- emulsion that's, that's why there's so many toxins in yeah. products that we use all the time it's because it's it's much easier to keep everything preserved and how long is that going to last on the shelf? Well, you can have that there for four years. It's not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, all types like, of so you can take a Twinkie into the Armageddon. And you'll be, <laughs> you'll be the totally Twinkie fine. will outlive you. Well, but, but, but that's the thing. I, I, I don't like to reduce it into good and bad, mm-hmm. right? So that Twinkie, is that Twinkie good or bad? Well, I would not say it's either, right? I mean, the, the truth is if you're in Armageddon in the middle of and you have a source of calories. You totally need that Twinkie. You need that Twinkie. <laughs> is it good or bad? Well, you're thanking God that they put preservatives that'll last, you know, outlive mankind mm-hmm. in that Twinkie, right? So yeah. I think those are the relative aspects of it. And I don't think those are perfect. I do, and w- uh, Vivian and I do believe that there are chemicals that absorb into your bloodstream that are going to disrupt your hormonal balance and that are simply not good for you. Having said that, there's, you know, many cosmetic companies and skincare companies that are putting in synthetic petrochemicals um, into as preservatives that are absolutely innocuous, that are not going to harm you significantly. The question is more of a philosophical question. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we started having a discussion. Say, yeah, we could put that 
preservative in there, but if we use these other organic acids or these other preservatives in to preserve it, because you still need to preserve the product. Mm -hmm. Just because it's made naturally does not mean that it is dangerous or it's unstable. It needs some kind of shelf life. You need to be able to you know, have it on the shelf for a year or a period of time that is not, uh, that's prudent so that your clients aren't harming themselves. I mean, it has to be safe to use. Right. It can't get toxic. And they also you also don't want them to waste their money and, and have course, to throw it away. Right. Right. So I think that it doesn't, you know, being natural does not um, negate the obligation to have high quality. Mm-hmm. Right. We still are, we still have to be able to perform. We still have to be able to uh, meet quality standards uh, that our clients would expect that if it's going to be not only is it natural, it has to be, you know, the, f- the famous Google, you know, do no harm, right, or mm-hmm. do no evil, was it that they famously said. And I think that, um, I think it's a basic, uh, you know, I don't even know if it's worth saying that, but I absolutely do no harm in, in what we're doing. So, and then the question there, can I, you know, whether it's irritations or rosacea or some sort of dermal, infection are am I able to help with that or are these products able to help and i think the concept of bringing your skin back to a natural state in a balanced state which is the um, microbiome right that's a um, that's a big difference between your products and what a lot of other products uh a lot of other, especially the cleansing, mm-hmm. will strip people's skin completely, and they have to kind of start exactly. over or, or constantly fight against uh, itself, right. as opposed to working on restoring and, and rebalancing. I think the stripping it and then trying to add in all the yeah. moisture to compensate Afterwards. for everything you just took off, and that creates a terrible circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's that thin layer of skin, or that thin layer of oil or waxy stuff that you have naturally on your skin is there for a reason, right? And I think that's what we sometimes underestimate when we we don't make that distinction between washing and cleansing, right? Mm-hmm. So wash, you know, dishes, wash clothes, you, know, you get uh, greasy dishes, you want to break it down with hot water and a good soap or a good surfactant, right? So that is not the way we should treat our skin, right? So our skin has natural oils on it where we don't want to deplete, Right, so when you're washing, you want to get the dirt, the makeup, all the stuff off the surface, but you don't want to strip away all the natural emollients that your skin naturally has. And I think that is what was interesting to us: is how do we achieve those things? How do we, um, you know, your skin? You dry it out, it will start hyperproducing oils, right? Because your skin's dry. So, how do you treat oily skin? and try to balance those glands so that they produce uh, the appropriate amount of oils, mm-hmm. right? So not over or under production. And I think our, ba- our bodies will naturally um, uh, regulate that and our sebaceous glands will naturally regulate that. When we stress them by removing everything, or um, I think we are taking our body out of balance and our skin out of balance. So I think our goal like everything else we've talked about, right, is that finding that balance in in your skin and, and finding that balance so that your body can naturally um, regulate and heal itself. But I think customers are a lot more aware, informed, educated, mm-hmm. just in general as far as there's products that they put on their skin. They, I think people are, are just in general more conscious, just like I said, to do with food. 
they pick up products and they're already reading the ingredients. Mm -hmm. But we notice from messages from customers that will email questions, but does this have this particular essential oil? So people are already informed as to what types of uh, particular ingredients maybe are not the best for them. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference you didn't see 20 years ago. People were just, oh, this feels good. It smells wonderful. If it says what it does, uh, if it does what it says on the package, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, y- I don't think you can run a business like that anymore. People are much more informed as far as what ingredients are harmful and what works for them. And yeah. they just read labels. I don't remember 30 years ago reading any labels. That's well, Twinkies sure. is a great, right? So <laughs> culturally... You know, there's a reference that you can make to when Twinkies was popular. You know, after the Second World War, you start pra- packaging processed food. Oh, miraculous, we can leave it on the shelf life for, you know, so people were mesmerized by the science behind it. It's an enormous amount of science that went into the creation and production of a Twinkie. Mm-hmm. But get a modern consumer to read a label of what's in a Twinkie, and we're more suspicious now, right? We're not as comfortable. Even more so our kids. Because kids, mm-hmm. yeah. we're still from the generation that I grew up on. Twinkies, mm-hmm. but our children, uh, and now we see them raising their kids, their kids, and they're very conscious of everything, but all it, the ingredients. And it, it, it's funny; I almost feel, you know, that that sense of a, um, you know, that generational shift, right? Where, you know, we're quite open to it, it w- because I don't want to turn it into a culture war. Right? It's not a generational mm-hmm. war between ourselves and younger generations. I think we're handing it off right saying here you know you guys do the you know they're qualified they're exceptionally well educated so i know they will make good decisions that they're a bit idealistic look hopefully they are right i mean hopefully Mm -hmm. we can aspire to more right hopefully that half the stuff is aspirational you know you know should we should the planet you know, should we have clean water? Well, I think yeah, we should, right? I think everybody agrees we should have clean water. You know, where's you know, can we find common ground in a lot of very basic things? I think we can. And it, and I'm bringing this up because I was going to make a comment. I want to preface the comment because mm-hmm. we walked into the kids' house and you know, kids in their late twenties, right? So. Um, you know, there's no napkins, paper napkins in the house. Oh, yeah. Right? So then, you know, we're like, well, the hell are napkins? You know, it's like, <laughs> so they're going through this. But then suddenly... Right, but it's so wasteful. Mm-hmm. Right. And it makes sense. So we, we consciously also so use suddenly we started towels ask- that I wash and stuff and not necessarily... Yeah, so we uh, start asking ourselves every time we're using paper napkins. And I find myself being more judicious in the utilization of napkins you know going to the restaurant grabbing you know, 20, <laughs> 20 napkins out of, <laughs> out of the dispenser mm-hmm. and I'm saying well you know I don't really need it no, I don't need the receipt I don't need it. so suddenly you start um, is it good or bad look I mean it's more we're more conscious of it right and I think well, that's you know, part of rightfully that's part what of Vivian was saying well, packaging, about reading when you receive packaging beauty mm-hmm. products especially now you'll notice right away when you open a package if there's things in it that are not sustainable and yeah any plastic and things like this so not stuff people used to think about 25 years ago, but... Well, you, you were saying that the kids today read the labels much more than we did. They read the labels and they're conscious of uh, what they're receiving, how it's being packaged. Once start to become conscious of it, it's really hard you can't to, get away from to take yes, it away. You can't take that away. Yeah, and then or you, you start to have guilt about the amount of yes. extra. But and, you see how that also could be a rabbit. You can go Absolutely. down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, what is the balance? Like you said, the balance yeah. between convenience, comfort... And what you think that your your needs and 
and desires and passions and mission mm-hmm. and vision and all those things are that that balance of mm-hmm. back and forth and especially now i mean i it seems to me that we're in this the height of convenience um and i'm sure it'll it'll get even more so but you don't have to you know the pandemic made it better or worse depending on how you look at it but you don't have to leave your home for absolutely anything you don't. but that but that means how much how much more packaging or delivery or separate trips or i, I don't know it, it's this constant back and forth of, of questioning mm. but um but it does kind of go back down to how you want to live and w- what you value well we i think you bring the pandemic um it was a we had been training in many ways unwittingly for a pandemic lifestyle by you know having our meals at home you know an outing for us was going to the grocery store and you know we have two grocery stores across street so it's very easy for us to walk across pick up our groceries for the day or two days and come home and um i think those was a conscious decision we made prior to the pandemic, but it suited us very well during that period of isolation, relative isolation, where you know everybody's quarantining and isolating themselves. And say so it was not, um, it was not so painful because we mentally we were already there, mm-hmm. right? So um, you know it's painful in other ways. You know it's it's not. Um, by no means saying we were unaffected by it Mm -hmm. as the whole world was affected but in those simple ways when you're able to simplify your life sufficiently Mm -hmm. and i think that makes it a lot easier to make the transition yeah Um. transition in and out of the -hmm. pandemic as we're exiting and becoming accustomed to living with it um you know that whole Again, appreciably, our life has changed mostly by having more um, get-togethers at home, mm-hmm. you know, having more people at, at the house, right? So I think that's the nice part of it, right? The other side of it is that I think that was probably the single biggest difference that we've had over this past year's transition. And, uh, into very limited travel. Travel, yeah. yeah we were traveling quite a bit, and we we are not. Yeah. But luckily, the grandkids are here, so we don't have to go very far. And you um, transitioned. You d- you decided and determined instead of the the distance to travel, you invested in um, close to home travel. Right, camping. Camping or airstream. Yeah. yeah, that's become our our second home of right. sorts. It's right? easy. And we've talked about it. We were actually joking you know, it was like well i could stay here for three months or six months and then we're like throwing back and forth that it's remarkable how little you can live on right mm-hmm. and it's remarkable how little you really need um because then you you know that that word luxury right we we you said you we you know many ways people haven't even left their house they can bring their have their groceries delivered they can have you know is that good or bad well i mean I don't know if isolating yourself from the world it can be a good thing. It seems like it's it's probably not good, right? You know, I think we're part of this world. Let's participate. Let's let's be in it. Let's not. I don't think it's necessary to isolate ourselves. Uh, but having said that, that's that that contradiction of uh, you know, having two opposing ideas in your head without your head exploding, right? Mm-hmm. Is it was really nice being out in the wilderness, just you know, 
living off uh, or living in very uh, sparsely in in that airstream is and we the look proximity to, to nature. We don't get it all because we're in a condo, so yeah. it's nice to be able to be in close the to the trees and just the limited sound. How quiet it becomes when you're out there. It was surprising mm-hmm. that last night that we were there recently on Friday, and it was. Uh, all the campers are actually arriving on Friday, so it gets busy. So even at 8.30, you're still hearing a lot of people by their barbecue, on their fire pit. And then at around 3 or 4 in the morning, it's there's so many people at this campground. They're not really in close proximity, but it's so silent. So silent, it's incredible. Um, and you're with the windows open in the airstream. You should be able to hear something. Um, that's nice. It's really nice. So we've been doing a lot of that type of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, is that where you think that you're getting your inspiration now um, in the last couple of years? Or where do you look for your your inspiration and dreamy thoughts? Definitely being close to nature. Yeah, I mean, that's always... So we're always looking for new ingredients that um, can be the perfect ingredient for a product depending on what we want to achieve. Um, texture comes into play. And th- it's just a lot of things you can think about when you're closer to nature than when you're... I'm not sure what well, the I term is when you're living in a condo and you don't have a lot of sound from the outside. Well, we, we, that's the trade-off, right? We've always uh, talked about the condo life was always a um, separating ourselves, right? We separate ourselves from nature. And I think that's a, like a very fundamental part of us is to, you know, when your head's a bit out of sorts, it's nice to just take a walk. You know, I talk about Lady Bird Lake, and I recommend it to anybody who comes to Austin. Is I beg you, go to go to the lake, because I think it's a great treasure we have in this city, right? It's our central park that we don't often real. You know, so many people have come in and out of Austin, and they don't realize running straight down the middle of it is this network of trails, and I think it's a great place to balance yourself inside the city, you know, where you don't have to make the decision. Um, do I live in the country? Or do I live in the city? You can be in the city and still have access, you know, free access to uh, trails and nature and a very natural world. Um, and I think that's, you know, you mentioned inspiration. I think that's what, you know, centers us and brings us back to a, always brings us back to a good place. And the city does a great job protecting yeah. all those uh, natural areas in the city. That's what we love. Thank you guys so much for sharing your time with me today. Um, is there anything else that you want to um, mention before we move on? Uh, before we I'm say goodbye? Um, only to thank you, Steph. You yes, do. thank you for the opportunity. Yes, and you to share bring nice thoughts out in us so appreciate it thank you thank hey, you hey so what Thanks, did you think so. of mvp business if you liked it please subscribe and tell all your friends follow us on instagram facebook and youtube if you didn't like it don't just leave let me know what i can do to improve who you'd like to hear from and what you'd like to learn the mission of mvp business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow knowing that the path isn't easy but the journey's worth it if you believe in this mission please help by living it and sharing it in the meantime enjoy the day and live with passion <laughs>